This is Risky Women Radio, a show that connects, celebrates and champions women in risk, regulation and compliance. We're here to share the insights on the biggest issues in our industry and hear inspiring journeys from our global members. Sign up to our newsletter at riskywomen.org. I'm Kimberly Cole, your Chief Risky Woman. So welcome. We're here for the Risky Women podcast, broadcasting live from Illinois. And I'm here today with Sarah Althoff. She's from Discover and she is the Chief Business Risk Officer at Discover. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So we want to talk a little bit about Sarah and her career. Um, I know that she had a long history at Cap One, over 20 years of experience there, which is phenomenal. Lots of risk and compliance roles at Cap One and then joined Discover, I think during the pandemic, if I'm not That's mistaken. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so big move over to Discover and noticed that you were promoted last year um, to a senior vice president role at Discover. Yes, yes so, I was. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about your career path and journey and what brought you over to Discover? Yeah, sure. So um, as you mentioned, I, I was at uh, Capital One for a little over 20 years and um, started there when it was a pretty small kind of startup organization Thought I'd be there for a couple of years and learn some stuff and then, you know, go on to something else um, and just ended up having uh, a wonderful uh, ride with a company that was growing and changing. And it felt like while I was at the same organization, I worked for a number of different companies through that, given how much they evolved as an organization over those years. Sure. Um, and uh, and then, as you said, did a number of different roles, a lot in the risk and compliance space um, and uh, kind of found myself at one point feeling like it was time to try something else, to give myself some additional challenges and to um, stretch muscles that hadn't been stretched in a while. Yeah. Um, and so had a great opportunity to come over to discover um, into the third line of defense, into internal audit, which I had not done before. That's great. Um, so it was a, I had uh, started my risk career in the first line, um, has spent a lot of time in the second line, and then had a chance to come here and do some third line work. Uh, which was an amazing experience and just really came to appreciate the the value and the position that internal audit plays in an organization uh, in a much deeper way than I had before. Um, and then um, late last year, had an opportunity to move um, kind of back into second line, first line related work with uh, this role, which is brand new. So it's a brand new role for me. It's a brand new role for the company um, to develop consistent frameworks for how we as a company manage risk in the first line. So our business risk offices, um, sometimes called the 1.5s, the 1.9s in the line defense framework. Um, And uh, we've we've had that framework for a while, but just not uh, kind of developed de novo in each organization. So had a chance to come over and and bring those groups together in a more consistent and defined way. And um, it's proving to be a very fun journey that's <laughs> a couple months in. Yeah, no, that's great. And I'm sure now experiencing all three lines, you have a preference. You love the first line. You wanted to get back to that space. Is that? Yeah. 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 I think um, I, I'm a problem solver by nature. And so being able to be a little bit closer to the action, be kind of in the in the mix of actually solving the problems, finding the solutions and implementing it. Versus um, finding the problem versus, in the third line. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Which is super valuable. Yes. Um, but because of the nature of the independence, right, in third line, um, it limits the ability to be actually kind of on the ground firefighting on issues. And so I kind of missed being being in the mix of stuff. And so it was a great opportunity to get a little bit closer back to the business. Understood. You know, in researching your history and your career, I noticed you're also very passionate about DEI. Yes. And, you know, I'm just curious about the culture at Discover. 
and you know what compels you like what are the aspects of the culture that really drew you here and that you really admire about the culture here yeah for sure you know when when i um when i thought about potentially leaving capital one i had a, a very few companies that i thought about leaving for and culture was a huge piece of me thinking about where i would go um and i had a chance to, to meet and talk with a number of people here at discover and just uh, really felt like it was a great, great culture, very uh, collaborative, very people oriented. Um, there's a there's one of our core values, which is we succeed together. And by nature, I'm a collaborator. I like to work with other people and solve problems together. Um, and so was excited to find another organization where culture was important and openness and collaboration was at the core of how the company functions. Um, and so that's been that's been great. I'm super glad I didn't have to trade that off um, yes. when looking for other opportunities. Sure. Um, and I think uh, you know culture has always been a big part of Discover's history mm -hmm. and will be a big part of its future. Uh, people I think are really drawn to cultures that support openness and collaboration and engagement, um, and I think also have 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 core values that they live and breathe by um, and have investments in DE&I work. So yeah, it proven to be very true for me here. Absolutely. I mean, I, I love the we succeed together. I always have, you know, similar thoughts for my team, one team, one dream, you know, yes. similar mindset. Yes. And I'm just, you know, thinking about that culture and how does that help you attract and retain, right? Because you, it's both, right? You've got to attract That's the right. talent. And today our topic is talent management for those of you that, that aren't tuning in on the topic, but for, you know, how do you attract individuals and then how do you keep them here? Is it that collaboration and that, you know, we succeed together mindset that you think keeps people at Discover? I think it's a big part of it. I, again, I think even, even more so today, I think there's a big emphasis for people in the job market to think about not just where they could work, but where do they want to work? Right. You know, what kind of environment do they want to work in? Yeah. Um, and and while while there are those that thrive in different environments, I think uh, for me and for a lot of people, working in a space where you feel um, valued and um, like you can speak your mind and you Absolutely. can be open, uh, you can be heard, means a lot. Um, uh, and I think the opportunity for people to feel like they can explore different things at the company, right? Have the mm -hmm. opportunity to try different um, roles out the, the kind of idea of, of openness and collaboration, create space to see what else exists, right? And give you a, a chance to say, hey, this is something interesting I wasn't aware of. Maybe I want to try this role out or try this area of the business out. So that brings us to a, a really interesting point, right? So you're a risk professional and you've taken risks, I'm sure, in your career. Right. And, sure. and, you know, that safety zone, like you're saying, at discover it's OK to make mistakes. It's OK to be open. What's one of the kind of biggest risks you've taken in your career? And, you know, did it pay off? When yeah, you took that risk. Yeah, I think I think one of the first ones was certainly joining Capital One when it was a very small kind of startup organization. Um, and uh, and and. You know, I, I don't know that anybody at that point envisioned, you know, where that company would go, but taking a risk right. on a small kind of startup, um, I think it's a brave thing for people to do. And I'm excited when people do it, even even if in the end, right, that startup doesn't doesn't make it or doesn't end up becoming everything they thought it would be. It's just a great experience. You wear so many hats and you get to try so many different things because it's small. It's you. Right. Right. It's, it's, there's no other person to point to. Yeah. Um, 
but then I think this role that I'm in now too was was a risk in terms of it's brand new. Right. Building something new is hard and you have to change the fabric of an organization of how it operates and its norms and its 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 kind of habits of how things happen um, and insert this new thing in all these different places. And um, and that can be hard. It can be hard to to break some of those norms while people are super open to change. Um, it just might not be on the front of their mind, right? That this right. is something to do differently. Yes. And so, and we say people are open to change. I'll tell you, you know, my, one of my roles at Productivity is business performance improvement leader, and we have people on change in our practice, right? And just inherently, I think by nature, people don't want to change. They don't like change. You find out, you go into a meeting room, everyone sits in the same seat they that's, sat in the last time, that's right. right? We're creatures so, of habit. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So, I mean, yeah. that's it's a very, you know, great thing that you're trying to do in terms of influencing change and, and interesting how you do that. Talking about that, like thinking about role models in your life, like who have you looked up to from a career perspective, or it could be anyone, right? Entertainment. What, who are your role models and, and how have you kind of emulated those folks as you've moved in your career? Yeah, I had, um, I had a really fortunate situation uh, during my career where uh, the, the person I worked for and I, worked together for 10 years mm -hmm. in a kind of manager um, uh, subordinate relationship. And um, it was, it was one of these like yin and yang moments where we're actually very different, but we complemented each other really well. So he knew my strengths, I knew his, mm -hmm. and we could really um, have some really good synergy. Um, but it gave me really good perspective to watch as he navigated the organization and, um, and worked to um, leverage others, right? Instead sure. of having it all be something he felt like he had to drive. So I learned a ton um, from that. But I, I honestly, I, I, I'm a huge observer of, of people and of mm -hmm. dynamics. And I think that allows me to have almost everybody in some ways be role models, right? I'm always looking for, what do I really like about how this person's interacting or working or leading um, or what, what don't I like, right? But right. I can look for lots of folks who throughout my career point to and like, oh, I picked this up from that person or I picked this up from that person. Um, and I think sometimes uh, we, we think there's going to be the one iconic, right. you know, I'm going to have this, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but I have certainly found throughout my career that it's, it's, it's a much broader pantheon of people. And I kind of look across and go, I really gained something from almost everybody. I've either worked for or worked with a lot. That's great. Yeah, no, I think about that traits in people, right? So what is yeah. it you admire about lots of different individuals we work with? You know, one of the traits that I think is being stressed today in a lot of our education with our younger people is resilience, right? Sure. So how do you, you know, fight and, and really have that character trait in what you're trying to do? So just thinking about resiliency, you know, how is that affecting what, the work that you do at Discover? You know, do you find people are very resilient here? Do you have tips for building a resilient culture? You know, those that continue to fight and go for the good. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think uh, challenge certainly builds resilience, mm -hmm. right? So the more you're challenged, the oh, yes. more you come through them, yeah. the more resilient you are. I think for many organizations, Discover being no different, the last couple of years have have challenged us, right? Yes. And have the really, pandemic have really put that emphasis on how resilient are you and how, yeah. how resilient is, is your workforce. And I think Discover's done a lot to 
um, enable people to traverse the last couple of years with a lot of support and a lot of encouragement and a lot of engagement. Sure. So they, they feel like they can be resilient through those challenges. Yes. But that's just one vector of challenge we face, right? right. And, and certainly in financial services, there's, there's constant pressures um, around the company evolving and regulatory expectations and um, where the industry is going. And so I think you almost, you, you have no choice except to be resilient if you want to mm-hmm. be successful in these spaces. I think what, um, what really helps from a Discover perspective is a kind of going back to some of our core values and how the, how the culture of the company supports that, right? Having people feel like they don't just have to suffer in silence, right? You can, you can bring your concerns to the table. You can be heard. There are tools and resources available that the company provides if you are struggling with something or if you do need help in a particular aspect that you can feel supported and you don't just have to find your way through it and muddle through it. Yeah. Um, so I do think that it's, it's the c- different aspects of, of the company's culture support that resiliency. Yes. Um, and, and again, the more challenges you go through, the more you kind of figure out how to be resilient. Yeah. And I think, you know, that has evolved. I don't know. You and I, I think started our careers similarly at the same time. And just, I know when we started that didn't exist, right? There weren't those That's support right. groups. It was just do your job, right? That's so right. It is a That's different right. culture. And, That's right. You know, the pandemic brought extreme challenges to all of us. And, yes. you know, I know companies are struggling today with the whole hybrid in office. How does that work? Right. And, um, you know, what is the culture like at Discover around that hybrid in office? I'm here today at Discover. There's lots of folks here. I was here yesterday, even more people, it seemed. But, yeah. you know, what's happening at Discover with hybrid versus in office and how do you manage that with your team? Yeah. As you said, it's a journey for, for all companies now coming out of the pandemic and figuring that out. Yeah. Um, Discover has always been a place that emphasized flexibility and providing opportunities for people to balance their personal needs with the company's needs. And while that has evolved over the last couple of years, it's not gone away, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think I always work with my team to go back to, at our core, you know, we, we want to be flexible and we want to provide the opportunity to meet personal needs and business needs and have that balance. Um, so we do have a number of programs. Uh, so our customer care agents have the option to work 100% remote. Oh. Um, our headquarters offices, we have flexibility to not work in the office for two days, but we also have programs um, that you can have flexible work arrangements. So condensed schedules or early starts or late starts um, or, you know, variation in, in your, um, your, your scheduled days so that people can find that balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's, it's still, we're still early in my view of coming out of all of this, right? Yeah. I think we've, yeah. in some ways... Um, are just on like step two of 20, probably of figuring out the new normal right after the pandemic. Um, and so it's still going to be iterative in a journey, I think, but, um, I think discovers recognize that we need to retain that flexibility. We need to keep people's, um, perspectives and balance in, in check, but, um, but also recognize that we're not going to have all the answers on day one, right? So mm-hmm. we need to remain open and continue to look for ways to evolve. And I think it's great. It's not a one size fits all. Everybody must be here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? It seems like there's lots of flexibility right. here with the workforce, which is fantastic. That's right. It's a hot job market still. 
right? Which is surprising. And we all thought that may change with all of the rate hikes and everything yeah. that's been going on with the Fed. But it seems the job market is persisting, which is probably why we've got the next yeah. rate hike. Um, but, you know, if, as you look at hiring, right, and, and I'm sure you guys are always out there looking for new talent. What types of skills are you looking for for your organization? Right? And what types of people do you hire? What, what do people need to come to discover with if they want to be part of your, your organization? Yeah. I think first and foremost, um, the the ability to be adaptable, I think, is a huge piece, and mm. and and that's um, it's it is probably true for many jobs, but I think particularly when you're in any risk or compliance related role, yeah, the world is always changing, right? right? And there are new influences and new inputs all the time, kind of reprioritizing our day, uh, right. and and so having the ability to be adaptable, to be agile, to recognize and lead through change um, is just critical to be successful in these spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one I really look for is what, what I call integrated thinking, or sometimes some people might say is connecting the dots, right? Seeing kind of disparate pieces of information and saying, hey, I actually think there's some connection across these or there's something related to these pieces of data that I'm seeing across different you know, vectors of things. And being able to draw kind of more connected conclusions um, because risk can be elusive. Right. You know, there's stuff that's very clear. Yeah. But then some stuff there's that's really elusive. Um, and uh, we're in the risk space. We don't like surprises. But, <laughs> but they that's happen. True. They happen. Yeah. And so yeah. I think, um, you know, the best talent I have seen in the risk space are those who have an innate ability to connect dots and to think in this integrated way of starting to see, right, that fuzzy thing on the horizon of like, hey, I, you know, I smell smoke somewhere, right, right? and starting to dig it out and and come up with um, insights that can actually help the company to make different decisions. Yeah. So that brings me to an interesting question about kind of working in teams versus working as individuals. So are you looking for individuals that connect dots? Or are you putting together kind of diverse teams that collectively connect those dots? Because yeah. I know in my line of work in consulting, obviously, you know, we're always going for diverse teams because I'm one type of a person, right? There's so many different types of people that bring so many different perspectives that when you're looking at solving client challenges, you know, we leverage all of those different perspectives to, to bring the right solution. How about a discover? Do you yeah. find the same? I, th- I think it's both. I yeah. think it is both, you know, folks who can, can innately look for some of that as well as through a team. Um, Mm -hmm. A a number of years ago, um, I was introduced to a term called shared consciousness, which I just love. And and to me, it's this idea of how teams develop this this shared understanding of what's going on and different people play different roles in that and bring different insights to the table. But if you can if you can have that team develop this kind of shared consciousness of what's going on, then they become that hub, right? Of, of the dot connecting, um, and it, it's 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 tough to do. You have to be very intentional to make that happen because we all get we all get on our priority list and we all get going down our path and we're all kind of running against our stuff. Um, but I think if you spend some time to create space for people to share, even if they don't think it's impacting to other people, right? right. Just to, here's what's going on, or here's something I saw, or here's something I observed. It plants these seeds um, that I think teams over time can like pull on and harvest. Um, so I think it's both. Yeah, no, absolutely. So just thinking again around kind of what you're looking for, likewise in your career, thinking about career advice you've received, or, you know, I've heard this phrase as 
your younger self, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? So A, what's the best career advice you've received? And then what career advice would you give to others or to your younger self? Yeah, I think um, one of the best pieces of career advice I got was um, careers are not decisions of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. They're just decisions. Right. And I think sometimes when we're thinking about where we want to go in our, our careers, we spend a lot of time toiling over, is this the right decision? Right. Am I <laughs> right. Making... We never want to make a mistake. Right. Am yeah. I making a mistake? Yeah. Um, and uh, someone said, it's not a matter of right and wrong. It's right. just a decision. Yep. And either way you go, you're going to learn something. And that doesn't mean they're all going to turn out great. Right. But you're always going to be learning. You're always going to be growing. And if you approach it through that growth mindset and through the chance to learn from whatever experiences come your way, yeah. you'll never regret a move. Right. Even if it's not exactly what you thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. And that that's always really helped me throughout my career. Um, luckily, I lucky got that kind of early on in my career. Yeah. Um, I couldn't agree with you more, I have to say. <laughs> when I was a little girl, I used to love to read the Choose Your Own Adventure books. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, okay, read this. And if you want to do this, pick page 11. If you want to do yeah. this, page 54. And I would go back and try yep. to say, well, what if I had done 54? What if I had done 11? <laughs> yeah. Your career somewhat like that, right? Yeah, Where you exactly. say, okay, what if I go from cap one to discover? Is that the right move? But right. there's no right or wrong. And there's just different outcomes that yeah. you learn all along the way. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. Yep. So, um, and, and I think if, uh, the, the other thing I would go back and tell myself, I think I kind of realized it midway through my career was um, don't define yourself by a job title. Right. Or like by a role. Yeah. Define right. yourself by what your skills are, what you're good at and what you enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. So if, if you enjoy, you know, data anal analytics and or really strategic thinking or problem solving, you know, define yourselves by yourself by those things. Right. Because then you'll you'll open up a much wider vector to what you could do than if you just think, oh, I'm a compliance advisor, right? That's what I do. Right. Um, but if you if you take it down to what are the skills that I'm good at within that? What do I really enjoy doing that I could get better at? Um, I think it really opens up more opportunities. I love that. I, I'm sure you mentor a lot of younger women and men uh, in the workforce. And I always tell people, do what you love because you're going to spend most of your waking hours in that job. Yeah. And if you're not doing what you love and you're not passionate about it, you know, where do, where do you find your happiness? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Protivity. Protivity is a global consulting firm with deep expertise in transformation, risk management and compliance. Partner with Protivity and face the future with confidence. Um, so I'm going to take a different turn now in terms of our annual risk survey. So one of the things we want to talk about is kind of Protivity does its annual top risk survey. And for 2023, the second highest risk was, and I'm going to read this so I get it right, adoption of digital technologies requiring new skills that are in short supply, you know, would potentially say I've got to upskill my current workforce. And how do I do that, right? And what are the challenges associated with upskilling? Have you found that in your space? And, you know, are digital technologies making a big difference? AI's all over the radio. Yeah. How are we gonna leverage AI? I yeah. know audits thinking about that. All of the different organizations are thinking about that. So how do you address that? And, and how do you upskill your employees or what are the challenges that you might face doing that? Yeah, I, I think like uh, like like many things, it's, it's a blend of things, right? It's not, there's not one, 
silver bullet solution, right? That yeah. gives you the answer to that. Um, you know, the digital revolution has certainly changed things, right? Um, On so many dimensions. Yes. And um, and again, I think I think we're probably at the early end of that, right? You I agree. think about where AI is going. You think about things that are going to be on our horizon that we can't even conceptualize now, but are actually probably going to be here in 10, 15 years. Right. I couldn't conceptualize this iPhone. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right. right? The world in our in I didn't our have hands. a mobile phone in college, and now the kids can't live without them. <laughs> so right. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think I think it's a blend of things. Uh, you know, at Discover, we um, have uh, what we call Discover Technology Academy or the Discover Technology um, Experience, and there's great opportunities within that for training and learning focused on some of these emerging technologies or emerging areas of um, of the industry. Um, so a lot of investment to create that for our existing um, uh, employees. Um, there's also um, a program we started um, with kind of new out of college folks in the data space through uh, what we call our ARC program, where they are able to come in and spend some time rotating through different areas of the company mm. through through the lens of data and how they're thinking about data in those areas and really explore how to think about them differently. They bring really interesting perspective, but then they also get a chance to learn different areas of the company and understand um, you know, other areas they might be interested in after they come out of rotation, like spending some time in. Yeah, no, that's, those are great programs. And, you know, it's, you either have to hire new skills or you're going to take your current, and it may be a combination of both your current employees and upskill them. So that's great that Discover has those programs they can offer yeah. folks to kind of, I know myself, I've changed kind of direction of career path as you have first line, second line, third line, and you know, taking a big risk and jumping over. So that's always great. Yeah. You know, as I think about the talent market, and how has it changed over time, right? So, you know, from your perspective, as you think about, obviously we're upskilling, but the talent market today and the new hiring, what's that like from your side? Like, how has it changed from 20 years ago, 10 years ago? Do you see differences? Yeah, I, I do think there's, uh, there is a lot of emphasis on technology and mm -hmm. it's both from the lens of what people in the talent market um, bring yeah. as well as what they expect in terms yeah. of the organization's commitment to it and with the the technology they want to have available to them as they're here. And I think there's a lot of investment Discover's doing in um, in helping to make sure that we have uh, an environment and, and a workplace where people get to, to experience some of these new technologies. Um, a lot of discussion lately, as you said, around like generative AI. Yes. So we have a council that's established to help think through where in the organization would this be a valuable tool? And if people have ideas, they can come talk with the council and explore it. Yeah. Um, so I think it creates that space for some of these new things to be available. And you don't have to be a technologist anymore. You like, don't. I had right? an undergraduate degree in systems, but I learned to program in COBOL. <laughs> you know? yeah. So yeah. Today, you don't have to be a COBOL programmer to yeah. kind of take advantage of the technology. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I think the other thing that's a pretty significant shift in the talent market, if I think about kind of when I was younger in my career, is um, is, P, is is I think there is an expectation for companies to be values-based and mm -hmm. to have an emphasis on their communities and their DEI programs, and um, and I, I think the younger generations expect that more than we did, kind of when I was coming out of college and yeah. school. And I think, I agree. Um, again, it's it's a it's been a strength for Discover, and I think continues to be a strength of being a very values based company, having a real commitment to our communities, um, being very demonstrable about that, right, and making sure people understand that that is core to who we are. 
And I think that helps us in the market because people want to work in an organization that they can feel proud of. I agree. And I, I mean, I think the younger generation seems to be more founded on giving back, right? And they're involved in the community and yeah. their passions and kind of what they like. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Discover has that. I want to try to um, think about our last serious question for today, which is around kind of retention and succession. So, you know, a lot of companies are struggling with the market because we've got people that are retiring. The market's hot. You know, how do you develop these succession plans and, you know, plan for that? How do you retain the employees you want to retain? So just your view on kind of the overall retention succession at Discover and what do you do to try to manage that? Yeah, I, I do think it is a challenge. And, um, you know, I think it's important for people to explore in life, right? And and that that sometimes means exploring outside of your current organization. Yeah. I, I don't see turnover per se as a bad thing mm -hmm. um, because it also means we have the opportunity to bring in other great talent from other organizations, right? right? So I do think um, that movement in the market can bring a lot of freshness and a lot of goodness. Um, but it is hard sometimes, right? Yeah. Especially if there's really, really great talent um, that is, you know, potentially leaving or leaves. Um, I, I think the commitment to just continuing to create space for people to grow and develop mm -hmm. um, is super important. Um, I have a lot of open conversations with the folks on my team. What's important to you? What do you What are you looking for in your next opportunity? Is it I want to learn something totally different, or I want to play to my strengths in this space, or right. I'm feeling unchallenged and I need something that's really going to break me out of my mold? Um, and I think it's a place where that open if if you can you can get people to that openness, right? Where they really share, yeah. here's what I really am either worried about or want to do or, or feel like is important. Um, then you can become an advocate and champion for them, whatever that may be. And hopefully it's, Hey, I'm going to find you this next opportunity. In we then discover. Company, yes. right? That's ideally <laughs> what we'd like to have right. happen. Right. Um, um, but it doesn't always. And I think, you know, I'm sure this is true for you, right? Like yes. a pretty broad network across different organizations and different um, communities. And so, you know, I, I never want to say we can't have people leave because that means I can't pay people, people from other organizations who, yeah. uh, who I'd really love to have here. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's how I think about yeah. it. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, we're going to go for the quick speed round, okay. fun, the fun part of this podcast. Okay. <laughs> so we've got four quick questions. So in one word, what do you see as your top priority for the year ahead? Oh, continuing the build. This is a year of build, so it's 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 getting the foundational pieces for my for my new function, a new role in place, and just continuing the build. Okay, what did you want to be when you when you grew up? I so originally I really thought I was going to be a Broadway star. I ah. thought I was like going to be on stage singing and dancing because I did a lot. Of, I, <laughs> I did a lot of theater and yeah. loved it, um, but I realized I wasn't actually that good at it. <laughs> so I was probably not going to be on Broadway. Yeah. Um, and then for a long time, I really wanted to be a Supreme Court justice. That was like my path for, for a good way through college and stuff. Uh, I was pretty sure I was going to go to law school and, and really try and um, work towards towards that. And then reality set in when there's like, you know, there's only nine of those. And there's like <laughs> how, hundred million are people. Like winning right? the mega millions right now. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, then, but it's, yeah. like, you know, probably not super likely. So, yeah. um, so I had the opportunity to get into banking and don't regret it. Awesome. What's your favorite podcast or your favorite book? Uh, 
either one. Oh God, I'm not a big podcaster. Oh, but you're on a podcast. I know, today. right? I was <laughs> going to change like, the mindset. I, should, I shouldn't say that. Since yeah, I'm yeah. on a podcast. Yeah. Um, I do occasionally listen to Breaking Breaking Banks, which I think is um, it pops up in my 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 feed every once in a while, and so I'll take a listen, which has it's got some interesting perspective from an industry perspective. Um, uh, but I'm I'm a huge reader, so like to find a favorite book would be really hard. Um, I I love to read, and um, there's there is a book though that has a funny name. It's called How to Wash a Chicken, <laughs> and it's 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 a book that um, Roger Hochschild, our, our CEO, mentioned uh, recently. That it's about presentations and how to think about giving presentations. And he didn't write it, but it's a book right. he found to be really interesting to think about. Uh, presentations. And um, I, I just, I recommend it a lot to people. If something you're thinking about is how do I become better at presenting, putting together presentations. Um, plus it's got kind of a fun, funky name. So <laughs> yes, always right. All right. Last question of the day that we're going to wrap with is um, probably important to a lot of our listeners that are there want to understand what you think. What advice would you give to women who are pursuing careers today in risk and compliance? Do it. <laughs> Do it now. <laughs> do, it, do it. We need yeah. you. We need you. Um, I, I think there's so much that women excel at that is great in, in the risk and compliance spaces of being natural problem solvers, being able to juggle so many different things at the same time. Um, not that men can't do it, uh, but, <laughs> but. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I think it, it really is a great space uh, for, for women um, and I, I kind of stumbled into it early in my career and just was like, oh, I really like this risk stuff yeah. and um, found it to be a really great space to spend my career. And so I would encourage anybody who, who, who dabbles in it and thinks it might be their, their, their jam to stick with it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. Yes. You heard it right here. Enter the career of risk and compliance right. if you have not already. We'd love to have you. Yeah. So Sarah Oltoff with Discover, thank you again. And thanks everyone for joining us for the podcast. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Risky Women Radio. Be part of the ongoing conversation and learn more about our events and other programs at riskywomen.org.